MLM Nation, episode 11. If you want to do this, you know, if you want to change your life, then you'll find that $1,000. You'll find that $500. You'll find the money. And so if you hold that posture like that, people look at you as worthy of being followed. If you want to be successful, you just have to copy what MLM leaders do. Welcome to MLM Nation, presented by your host, Simon Chan. Where you'll learn strategies, secrets, and inspiring stories from today's top MLM income earners. MLM Nation, this is Simon Chan, and I'm fired up to bring our special guest today, Ron Forrester. Ron, are you ready to make it happen? Oh, absolutely, Simon. I'm excited about this. Ron Forrester is the internationally known and respected network marketing author, consultant, trainer, and speaker who has been featured in many industry publications. He's been a network marketing professional for over 30 years as a distributor. Ron started as a spare time associate, what he called spare time, in 1980 while working as a pharmacist. And he was able to build his first organization to produce an income that was multiples of his pharmacist's annual income. And as Ron likes to say it, at 30 years old, he was able to retire from corporate America forever. Ron has been the number one associate for three different companies and also in the top 15 in two other companies. Ron just loves the network marketing industry and can never see himself retired. That's why he keeps going. Recently, in Ron's newest company, He's the number two income earner. And just to check out, you know, we talk about uh, annual incomes, but bonuses, just his bonuses alone, his bonus alone was over $375,000. So, Ron, I just shared some of your accolades uh, with MLM Nation, but why don't you share in your own words your background and how you got started from a pharmacist to like a network marketing legend? Well, actually, I was very fortunate, Simon. Uh, all along the way, I've had some great mentors, and that's that's one of the secrets to the really the secrets to being able to be successful in this business is, is having a mentor and listen to what they have to say. And the first person that got me into this company or into this marketing model, rather, tried for seven years. Yeah, right. I, I was a, a nutcase. I, I had a head problem, and my head problem was I'm a pharmacist. Well, I'm not just a pharmacist. I'm a PharmD. And I don't need that little home-based business stuff. That's so far beneath me, I make plenty of money. And obviously, Simon, I did not know what I was talking about. So he tried for seven years to get me, and finally did. And it happened because I was working 77 hours a week in pharmacy, and I worked like that for a year and a half without a day off. Even Christmas, I worked two-thirds of a day in, in a hospital. And that didn't include drive time. My, my job was so nuts that uh, my boss would call me at 6 o'clock in the morning and tell me where he wanted me that day, somewhere in a three-hour driving radius, and I would go. And so they found ways to pay me, and I was making plenty of money. And as a result of that, it gave me that head problem. I thought I was making way more money than most people did. And finally, though, um, I had a, a, a little situation that occurred. My The mother of my children wanted me to uh, do something else. You know, your children don't see you, and... And I finally, two BBs clanged together in my mind, and I had a thought, well, I better go talk to him. And I, I went and met with him, and as a result of that, I realized, Simon, that this was uh, there was a system to it. Uh, what they told me, my first mentor, Bill Britt, told me that all I had to do was to hand out a tool, and the tool would do it 100% correct 100% of the time. 
that time, of course, it was it was a cassette tape. I bet there's pe- I know there's people on your show right now that don't even know what it <laughs> looks like. <laughs> I barely do, but I remember those. Yes, I had those cassette tapes too. Man. So I did what I did what Bill said for me to do, and I did it five hours a week. Uh, I really that's an important point. I think I should make Simon, uh, it, and that's this. Um, when we were talking. I asked him the question, what do I have to do? And he said, give out the cassette tape to a minimum of two people a day. And I said, how long do I have to do it? And he said, how much time have you got to spare for your business? And that was my first introduction to the term spare time. Hmm. And I think this is really important for people to understand. This is a spare time business on the front end. You You don't let it overwhelm your life whenever you're doing it right because you can become frustrated if you do that. Yes, and you, you blend it into your life. I mean, as you're running an errand, this is exactly what he told me. As you're running an errand, be sure to have the cassette tape with you. You see somebody interesting, give them a tape. It's going to take you two minutes, Ron, if you're slow. And it's, it's done while you're doing other things and let the, let the leverage and the compounding take effect. And that's the secret right there too, Simon, is this, mar- this marketing model utilizes two wealth principles better than any other system out there. And that's leverage and compounding. Uh, to give you an idea, whenever I started pharmacy school, it took me six years to get my pharmacy degree. It took me about $200,000. And it took me a year working on the job to find out how to do it. Five more years of getting raises to be able to uh, say that I'm making some serious money. So that's 12 years there. And when I was talking with Bill and he said, you know, how much time you got to spare? I said, well, I'm working 77 hours a week, and that doesn't include drive time. You put drive time to it, I'm doing 100 hours a week. And he asked me, he says, how much time do you watch television? Mm-hmm. I said, I watch television five hours a week. I knew exactly what I did because I didn't have any other time, and I watched anything to do with Carolina basketball, UNC basketball. Tar right? Yeah, Tar Heel. But, and that, there's a, a story to that. Um, in 1966, I get a knock on my dorm door while I'm going to school, and uh, I opened the door, and at least the equivalent of the angel Gabriel was standing there in front of me. Dean Smith asked me, he says, I need your help. Wow. It was his third year of coaching. And I said to him, I said, well, coach, I quit playing basketball sometime back. He says, I don't need that kind of help. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I want to I recruit your cousin. I want to bring him down here. I want you guys to have fun you know, seven, eight days, and here's a, an agenda for you, and here's some vouchers. Go have fun. So he brought my cousin there, and my cousin was Dean Smith's first seven-footer. Wow. And that, that was Lee Dedman. And I got some special dispensation as a result of that. I had tickets behind the Carolina bench, uh, two tickets behind the Carolina bench for every home game I ever wanted to go to. And so in 1980, I was watching anything to do with Carolina basketball. And when Bill asked me how much TV you watch, I said, five hours. He said, what is it? I said, I told him what it was. He said, let me ask you a question, Ron. He said, is that five hours actually advancing your, your family at all? I mean, it hit me right between the eyes. And I said, well, no. He said, right. He said, as a matter of fact, that you, you doing that, what's happening is, you're li- living your life vicariously through those young men, and literally they are stealing your dream. That TV is stealing your dream. 
You're sitting on the couch. They're living theirs. You need to get out off the couch and go live your own. And so I gave up the five hours of basketball and turned to five hours of doing this business. And I did it five hours a week for three years. At the end of three years, I'm 36 years old. My little old five-hour-a-week business, because of leveraging compounding, is paying me over three and a half times my pharmacy annual salary. I quit, I quit corporate America, and I hadn't looked back. That is such an awesome story. You know, you brought up a thing that a lot of people uh, don't realize. It's like this business is built on your spare time, in the nicks and crannies, right? Like, and I think a big, big mistake of distributors I've talked to, they want to go full-time too quickly. Mm-hmm. And they, they're earning like one big check, and they think, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to go full-time, quit my job. No, like stay at your job. And because in the job, you meet a lot of people. But like you said, you just hand out tapes. Or nowadays, it's like you use vid- – it could be online videos. You invite them to a webinar. But it's really built on the nicks and crannies. Like you, if you tell a normal person, sit there for four hours, they have nothing to do for four hours. What are you going to do for four hours? It's really just, like you said, giving out the videotapes, inviting during the normal days of life when you bump into people. Exactly. I, uh, I just – it just troubles me when people say, I want to quit and go full-time. In my entire career, I've only recommended two people quit their job. Mm. Yeah. And that was after three years of working in the business, and they were making two or three times more money than they were making in their job. I didn't quit my job. I didn't quit my job till I'm making three and a half more, t- more times more money than I was in my job. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, when people go full-time, what they end up doing is stay at home. They end up like, sleeping in more, watching more TV, and they're not out there meeting people. Right, and at your job, you're actually meeting people, your colleagues. You go out to lunch, you get to meet people, and so that's great advice, Ron. Another thing I really liked about your story is like I always talk about no one has the magic crystal ball, right? Your your sponsor, your mentor, took seven years, but Ron is a legend. I mean, seven years to get the person. It goes back to show you there's no bad prospect, just the wrong time. For the right prospect, and for seven years, you it was the wrong timing for you. Until one day, you something happened to you in personal life, and you had to make a change. And imagine, you know, if Bill wasn't there, you you know, the the, the residuals, the leverage that you create for his business, what wouldn't have happened? That's why you exactly. can never quit because you never know who you're going to bump into or who your downlines downline will bring someone in. Exactly. You know, I. I liken the, this, this system, the, the, the process of recruiting is a process. It's not a one-time event, and too many people think it is. And I liken it to playing the game of baseball. You cannot score a run by going to first base and home, and you've got to go around the bases. You've got to go through the process. A lot of people think that they make that one contact. They hit on first base, say. They give somebody a tool. They land it on first base, and they believe that, that, hey, all i got to do is ask them to come in, and they're going to go back home and score a run. That's not, right. the way it That's not the way it happens. Right. It's a process. That's a great analogy. I love that. So you, you have a lot of tips and great wisdom. Uh, let's go back to one of your biggest, most frustrating moments. Because most distributors, they don't realize it's during like the toughest times or, or what I call, quote, unquote, the failures that we learn the most. But the key is to keep going. You never quit, and then you learn the lessons and you apply them. So, Ron, take us back to your journey. Share with us one of the most frustrating and challenging moments where you almost wanted to quit, you say, but you hung in there. And then what lessons did you learn? What did you do next? Well, I, it, this actually occurred within the first 60 days I'm in the model. Hmm. And, and Bill told me, just like you've probably heard yourself, and I know I've told other people, hey, you've got to be at this company-sponsored event. You've got to be there. 
okay? And at that point, I, had, I didn't really see the scope of the size of the business, okay? I mean, this is not a small business. This is not two people on a phone call or three people meeting at a Starbucks or anything like this. This is a huge business. And so I didn't see it at that time. And he tells me, you need to be at this event. The event, I was living in, in like I said, in Chapel Hill, and the event was in, uh, on Lake of the Ozarks in Tantara, Missouri, northern Missouri. I really couldn't see why in the world I should leave North Carolina and go to Missouri for th- a weekend. You know, and he finally convinced me to it. And working the way I was, my boss didn't have anybody that could take the job and let me go on a vacation. Okay? Couldn't do it. So I had to, I had, if I was going to do this, I had to, one, find people to work for me. And nobody could work more than one shift. I had to get people to cover the shift. And in order to do that, I had to pay them on the front end. Well, at that time, I didn't have that kind of money to be able to do that because it was a considerable amount of money. And I had to make a serious decision. Uh, I, I love to fish, Simon. I love to fish. Uh, a lot of people, whenever they're doing, I'm doing three-way calls, I'm actually on the lake somewhere fishing, and which is another benefit of this business. Uh, so I decided, whenever he finally got through to me, I decided to sell my boat. Mm. That was a huge decision, and I just wondered if I was making the right decision. What in the world? Am I stupid or am I crazy? Sell that boat and not be able, what in the world? You know, this is the kind of agony. It, it doesn't sound like it was a big decision as far as it goes for some people that don't understand my love of fishing and that, my love of that boat. I'd had that boat special built for me. And when I did it, I, I, felt, I, I felt a big hole in my chest. Hmm. And, but I, I took, I, mean, I, I got to thinking about it. I realized that Bill never misled me. And so if he said I had to be there, then I had to be there. And I made that decision to sell that boat so that I could pay those guys on the front end and I could go to this event. Simon, I got to say something to you. If I had not gone to that event, I don't know that I would be in the industry today. I, I absolutely agree with you. This business is based on events. It's all about events. I got, I got, to, I got to meet some very significant people, some really successful people in all walks of life. And I got to see where there were thousands of people there and everybody having fun, everybody loving everybody. I, this business is everybody loving everybody. Now, and I am a kinesthetic. My, I'm, a, my, I'm a visual kinesthetic, and uh, I just love people. And I really had my, my cup overflowed that weekend. Mm. And there was nothing that could take me out of the model from that point forward. That is awesome story. You know, it goes to show two things. Number one, you're coachable. And that's, that's something, you know, everyone, ML Nation, your listeners out there, you have to do. And number two is this business is built on events. Every successful person, even from my own experience, and also people I've talked to, I interviewed on the show, all point out to one significant event that totally changed them. And always said the same thing that you said, Ron. If, it didn't, if they hadn't gone to the event, they wouldn't have had the success. Uh, the third thing is like, you know, in order, uh, Jim Rohn, like, uh, taught me this was in order for your income to change you must change and a lot of times the changes are hard you made a big change like this is your boat that was like custom made for you right i mean yes. some of you may not you know some of you oh i don't fish but i'm sure you have something at your house that you love and treasure and this is think about that thing ron gave that up but he changed because he knew he had to change in order for his income to change and changing was really painful to give up something he loved um but and sometimes that's what it takes 
Well, it actually opened the door to so many other wonderful things. And I'll tell you something. I've got to go fishing all over the world. <laughs> yeah, you can buy that boat back many, many times over now, right? I'm sure your boat is way better now. Yes. <laughs> and it goes back to, you know, prospects. You have prospects that don't have money. Everyone has the money. It's just learning to give up what you currently have, right? The stuff you can sell. Um, garage sales, the boats, the stuff out there to sell. If you really want it, this, you know, if there's a will, there is a way. You're right about that. The, the the reason that people experience that I don't have the money or I don't have the time or I can't be there that weekend or I can't go to this event that night is actually you can you can really uh, claim or show that it's your own responsibility because your posture is not one that they can follow. Mm. Okay, if you have the posture like, hey, this is something you absolutely have to be at. That's what Bill did. His posture was such, you've got to be there. Yeah. Okay? No choice. You've got to be there. It's like people, if you want to do this, you know, if you want to change your life, then you'll find that $1,000. You'll find that $500. You'll find the money. And so if you hold that posture like that, people look at you as worthy of being followed. Absolutely. It's about posture. It's not even about the words you say. It's how you say it. Exactly. What was one of your biggest aha moments? Was it at the convention? I mean, that really changed no. your... What, what is one of your aha moments, Ron? Now, actually, it occurred before that, Simon. Hmm. Um, it actually occurred in the 11th grade for me. And wow. that epiphany I had in the 11th grade has been an ongoing one every single day. And whenever I explain what it was, you'll understand. Um, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. My mom and dad each had 11 brothers and sisters. And we were tenant farmers, uh, cotton pickers, and textile workers in South Carolina. Nobody had gone to college from my, com- from my family. And they all got together and sent me to college. Okay? That's what happened after the 11th grade. But one morning, and so as a result of me growing up like that, the one blessing I had was God just, just gifted me with an, un- an amazing mind. And so I used it. And people could depend on me, and they knew it. Well, as a result of that, um, some of the kids that I run with, you know, they, the, your peer pressure can be really bad. So I'm going around school thinking I'm not good enough. You know, as a matter of fact, I'll tell you this. I was 12 years old before I had a store-bought shirt, and I bought it. My mom would unravel 100-pound hog food sacks. Hmm because they're printed cotton, and she would lay a pattern on there and make my shirts for me. And I went into business for myself at nine years old. I hired myself out to the women in the neighborhood, Simon. I cut their grass. (laughs) I vacuumed their, their floors and waxed their floors, anything I could do. And so that by the time I'm 12 years old, then I'm buying my own clothes. But that, those formative years of, of, uh, it's not that I ever ever lacked for anything. I had, I had clothes, had food, had more love than you can possibly imagine. I mean, I was loved, and I know it. And so that gave me a good, firm foundation in, in my own self. But except for the fact, uh, I had this feeling of not being worth, you know, what everybody else was. And even though I had evidence to the contrary out in the world, it's what I felt inside. And in the 11th grade, April the 17th, 1963, as a matter of fact, 11 o'clock in the morning, this was 
nearly 50 years ago now. And I can still feel it, Simon. I can see it. I can smell it. It was amazing because the sky was just a beautiful Carolina blue. The grass had been cut that morning. I could smell it. The kids are playing in the swings over my left shoulder over on the playgrounds. And I'm coming out of gymnasium headed to the high school. And nobody's on the, on the sidewalk. And, and that was nirvana for me. I didn't have to talk to anybody. I was happy with that. Then all of a sudden, I get about 60, maybe 75 feet out of the gymnasium, and down the steps uh, at the high school comes the most beautiful girl in high school. You know, the drum majorette, the blonde, blue-eyed, gorgeous, tan skin, all this stuff. The one everybody lusted after, including me. She comes tripping down there, and I'll say her name because I got permission to do it four years ago. That's when she found out. And Sandy came down those steps. And I said to myself, oh, my God, there comes Sandy. What am I going to do? Can I turn around and go back? No, I can't do that. Maybe she'll go on down. Oh, no, she's coming this way. What am I going to say? (laughs) What am I going to say? Good morning, Sandy. No, I can't do that. That won't work. Hi. No, that won't work. Simon, I didn't get to say anything. Mm. She got 20 feet from me and said, hello, stuck up. Mm, Wow. These people thought I was stuck up. I wasn't stuck up. I was scared to death. Mm. And I can tell you, Simon, I can tell you what she was wearing. I can tell you what I was wearing. I cannot tell you what I said back to her. And the rest of the day, my body was in class. My mind was not. What was going on in my mind was, you're going to have a miserable life if you don't change. You've got to do something. Just like you mentioned a while ago, people change when they have a personal crisis. Well, this was my personal crisis. I said, what are you going to do? You've got to change it. Are you going to have a miserable life? You'll never amount to anything. You've got to do something that'll make you interact with people. You've got to do that. I went through every possible scenario you can imagine. At three o'clock that afternoon, I knew what I was going to do. I went to the local teen hangout and I got myself a job as a curb hop. Now a curb hop for those people that don't know is like those little Sonic girls that come out with the skirts and the, and the, and the uh, roller skates and all this kind of stuff. Only thing is, we didn't have the skirts and the roller skates, okay? But a curb hop makes their money with tips. How would you make good tips? Being of service. You said it yourself earlier. And that is what changed me. And I started working on it, and I worked on it every single day, and I still do. I am probably the most introverted person you've ever met. I'd much rather run from you than talk to you, even over the phone like this. Okay? So what I did is to change myself. And if I hadn't done that, I would have had a miserable life. And it continued. I work on it every day. Um, I never will forget the first time I went on stage. I was at the $1,500 level. And I went on stage. And I got to speak 45 seconds. And I just like that. You know, scared me. But I still did it. And I've spoken now in front of people, 25,000 people many times. I mean, you name a number, I've spoken in front of them. But it still, um, it still troubles me. I have to work on it all the time. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to hear a funny story, I can tell you one. Sure, go ahead. I was in Oklahoma City, and I'm in the audience, and one of the, one of the officers of the company comes up to me and says, I need you to go up on stage, you and your wife, Leslie, is, and, and let me tell you something. As good as I am in this business, she's better. So Leslie and I, we get, we're asked if we can go on stage and replace a speaker that had gotten sick 20 minutes from then and speak for 30 minutes. And we said yes. So I go back behind the stage. I need to go to the restroom, so I go to the restroom. While I'm in the restroom, I, of course, by this time I'd already finished my business, thank goodness. 
Uh, so I'm washing my hands, and the stage manager comes in and says to me, Ron, are you okay? Yeah, I sure am. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, you've spoken in front of people like this before? I said, sure, a, a lot. Uh, no problem. He said, so you're okay? Yeah, yeah. Well, then she says to me, what are you doing in the ladies' restroom? <laughs> <laughs> 14,000 people laughed at me that day, too. (laughs) (laughs) That is, that's funny. But if I hadn't had that epiphany in 11th grade, I wouldn't be where I am today. You are such an excellent storyteller, by the way. I I can picture you walking, you know, I've never, only been in North Carolina once, but I can picture that street back in the 60s, clean, you know, cut grass, and that girl walking by and just saying that to you. And uh, it's an awesome story, Ron. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. You know, and but the impressive thing is, I think every one of you, MLM Nation, if you're listening to this, we've had those moments. Uh, I mean, where Ron was with this girl, you know, where it hits you in the face, and you have to make a decision whether you're going to complain and say that person's fault. I mean, you could have, you know, cussed that girl out or say it was her fault. She, or you could look, did what you did, Ron, look inward and say, hey, how, what do I need to do? So every time you have a challenge, that's the the best lesson like Ron just shared. It's like if things are not going well. Don't never criticize, complain, because that takes you away from the problem-solving mode, right? Instead, look inward. It goes back to, in order for your income to change, you must change. And Ron found out how he had to change and threw him outside of the comfort zone. I mean, he was like a, what do you call those? Uh, it's kind of like Sonic Girls? What, what? Curb hops. Curb, curb hops, yeah. Curb hops. I guess I grew up in New York City. We, don't, we didn't have those. Curb hops and forced himself to be, be good with people people skills and so whatever you're weak at maybe you can't sponsor you can't close you can't present you can't meet cold market whatever it is look inward you got to change so that's thank you again for sharing ron that's such an inspiring story thank you simon i appreciate the chance to be able to do it what's the one thing that excites you the most about network marketing right now you know since about 1995 i have noticed that there has been a shift there's been a shift in the marketplace where there's far more acceptance to it and as the, the 15, 20 years since that time, um, I have been able to affect the lives of many, many more people, many, many more people because of it. They're more accepting to it. Mm. And I'm thinking in terms of, you know, what's happening from this point forward. There's we're, Simon, we have a chance. We really have a chance to make a difference in people's lives far bigger and far more than we've ever been able to. Yes. And that is what really does excite me. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I am so, I'm overwhelmed with the blessings that I've gotten. And as a result of that, I really try to do, to, to bless as many people as I possibly can. Uh, Leslie and I, we're asked many times now, why in the world don't you quit? Because we've reached the, a level that only you know less than one quarter of one percent hit, and we could literally, because of the way the marketing model works, we could walk away and go play. But what we feel and what we do is totally different. Um, there's people that, for instance, in the present company I'm in, there's people that got into that company because of something I did or said, and I've got the knowledge to be able to take them to places they've never gone. And they have the same dreams, desires, goals, hopes that we have. So how in the world can I, in all, con- all, all you know, ease of conscience, walk away from those people? I got, I've got a responsibility to them to help them grow. And by doing that, 
I'm also spreading exactly what's going to happen over the next decade, two decades. There's going to be far more people coming into this model and changing their lives, helping their family, doing things for their family, doing things they never expected to be able to do. And that's getting more and more and more every day. More people are understanding that. More people are getting involved. And that really excites me. Yeah, I, I really respect that. And especially what you wrote about servant uh, leadership, about how about giving. Um, that's a, it's huge to give back. And you definitely don't need to be working anymore. And even just sharing on this podcast, like you talked about um, how we have a ability to make a bigger impact. You know, back in your day, 30 years ago, this interview would even happen, right? Yeah. Uh, we would, you know, nowadays you had to get a cassette tape or be on the radio. Now anyone, smartphone, tablet, or computer can download this. And now all of a sudden anyone in the whole world can listen to the wisdom that you're sharing today, Ron. So thank you again for sharing with ML Nation and thank you again for giving back to this awesome profession. My pleasure. Uh, can I, you take us back to one of your proudest network marketing moments? That's easy. I... Um, I really like it when, when my students excel, okay? Uh, whenever they're walking across the stage, getting, getting the recognition, you know, for, for something they've done excellent. And I know that I had a hand in that. I didn't do it all. Don't, don't get me wrong. It, it, the person themselves have to do 95% of it. All I can do is guide them. Hmm. But it makes me feel so good, and, and I think that the, the first event that this particular company had, uh, 60 people walked across the stage on, in the 10th month, by the way. Ten, we weren't 10 months old and had our first company event. Ten, 60 people walked across the stage receiving, you know, very, very great rewards. Um, 58 of them received the first level, and two of us received the second level. And out of that 58, 95% of them had never done this business before. And out of those people, I had 27 doing it. You, could, you just cannot imagine how good that feels for them to walk <laughs> off the stage and you're grabbing a hold of them and, you know, in front of 3,000 people and hugging them and telling them how great they are and stuff like this. It makes you feel so good. And then there's not a, because of the way this model is, um, you really have to help. You really have to help people win. It's not about you. It's about them. And as a result of having that servant leadership attitude you mentioned a few minutes ago, there's not a week, many times not a day, that somebody doesn't call me up in tears thanking me for coming into their life. And you cannot pay for that. You cannot buy that, Simon. Yes. I, I think a lot of new distributors, what they don't realize is that you know you join the business because of the money, but what keeps you staying in there is not the money; it's the satisfaction of knowing that you had a positive impact on someone's life. And you, you know, money because money comes and goes, but being able to see you change someone's life and turn his life around—that is priceless. Absolutely. I know you have a lot of favorite quotes. Uh, can you share with ML Nation one or two of them? I would be happy to, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, my uh, my go-to quote, and this is I use this a lot because people have a tendency to give up on themselves. Um, I like I go back to a speech that Winston Churchill did in 1946 in front of Oxford commit as a Oxford commence, commencement exercise for that graduating class. It was raining really hard that day, 
And so he came in to the behind the stage. The stage manager met him, and Churchill had on his derby. He had his brolly, his umbrella, and he had his rubbers on his shoes, which is nothing more than overshoes, you know, the, the rubber overshoes for, for, for rain. And the stage manager tries to take his uh, umbrella and tries to take his overcoat, tries to take his hat. And Churchill says, no, 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 I've got those. Don't worry about it. He says, I'm not going to be up there very long anyway. So he walks out on the stage and he lets the, 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 the crowd calm down because you got to remember what, what had just happened, you know, the year before because of his, his guidance during that terrible, terrible war. England was coming through simply because Churchill lived what he's about to say. He looks out across that audience of young men graduating Oxford and says to them, quote, never, never, never give up, unquote. Walks off the stage. That was his speech. He lived it to a standing ovation. And that was his speech. And to me, that is exactly what people should do about everything in their life. Never quit. My mom gave me a, uh, the best compliment I think I've ever had. Uh, one time when she told me, she says, you know, you're the strongest person I've ever met. You're even stronger than your father. And that, I mean, he was, he was a, an unbelievable man. I'm not saying that because I'm his son. I watched what he did. And she said to me, you're so strong, you don't even know how to spell the word quit. And I don't. I try to sometimes, but it just doesn't come out. And then I like to share people something that I've learned over my lifetime too. And this is my quote. Life is a participation sport. And there are no practice games. You either swing in for the fence or you're sitting on the bench. You have to put yourself in the game. No one else can do that for you. Those are... And I like Jeff Olson's Master of the Mundane. If you become a master of the mundane, the everyday daily stuff, you are going to excel. And Thank that's you for basically. sharing. That's awesome. And we, we uh, MLM Nation, we're going to put all those quotes in the show notes. Okay, so you just go to MLMNation.net, type in Ron in the search bar, and I will put every one of these in here because it's tremendous wisdom. And I love the Winston Churchill. Like I said, you're such an awesome storyteller. I, I've read about that quote, but never in the way that you shared that story. You are awesome. Thank you very much. I, I enjoy telling stories. So as we wrap up, some really quick questions, okay? Um, what was stopping you from getting started with network marketing? My own head problem. I had a misconception. I listened to what other people had to say. Oh, I tried that for six weeks. That never works. You know, that kind of stuff. You really cannot. Ex- you, you've got to experience things for yourself. You've got to find out, look into everything, examine everything, and make your own decisions. Hmm. What's the best piece of advice you ever got? Winston Churchill, never give up. Never give up. I love that. I guess what's the one habit that's helped you become successful is never give up. Never give up. What's your favorite prospecting tool that you use nowadays? Do you use? I know back in the day it was a cassette tape. What do you use now? Well, to me, and this comes from after 15 years of using it, a magazine with a DVD is the best prospecting tool out there. It beats video on the Internet. It beats, um, it beats anything. And the reason so, Simon, is because a magazine will deliver the information the way people want to get it. Hmm. And, and the mind knows how a magazine works. So when it turns a page, it knows there's not a landmine there. 
How many times do you know of people that have gone to a website and it says next and they won't click on it because the mind does not know what's going to happen next? That's what happens because the mind is protecting you from change. If you change something, it doesn't know what to do to protect you. That's the reason a magazine is so effective. Uh, people can see the pictures and see the colors and see the happiness and all this kind of stuff. And they can also hear it because a, an auditory person is reading the stories out loud in their head. And then an, uh, a kinesthetic person, somebody that likes to get a feel for it, can feel the glossy, can, can read those stories and get that warm feeling themselves in their, in their mind, in their chest, in their heart. And so the magazine delivers the information the way people want to get it. We want to get it visual, uh, auditory, kinesthetic, or a combination. And the reason I like it as a marketer is one, 100% of the people know how, to, know how to make a magazine work. But also, if my prospect is reading the magazine and the phone rings or the doorbell rings, he puts the magazine down, goes, takes care of business, comes right back, picks it right back up where he was, he doesn't have to boot up, log on, and search. Yes. So to me, a magazine is far more effective, particularly as a first tool, a first exposure, than anything. Not that I don't use the others. I do. I do. I'm not, I'm not a, a, a dinosaur. As a matter of fact, I've been working on the Internet myself since about uh, 2000. So um, I understand all that, and I use them, but the magazine is my first choice. I love that, especially nowadays where less and less people read magazines, but everyone gets tons of emails of online videos. So uh, it stands out, right? And also, even if they don't, like you said, even if they don't read it, it's sitting in the couch and, you know, in the drawer or in the kitchen. It's visible as opposed to online video. They can just delete the email. Boom, and it's gone. Tell you another thing. Somebody comes into your home reading a magazine, they may ask you to take it with them. Yes, yes. I once I gave a magazine to a guy in, a, in an airport one time. He was going to New Orleans. I got a call three weeks later from somebody in Maine. <laughs> off, of label, off of my label on that magazine. I recruited both of them. But that's how important it is. And uh, having a video go around like that usually just doesn't happen. Yeah. Oh, do you have a, you, you talked about uh, you've been online since 2000. Do you have a favorite app or do you online resource like Gmail, Dropbox, or Facebook that you would recommend to our listeners? What do you like to use? Well, I use all of those. I use all of those. And, and I use my Dropbox um, for people to, we, we use uh, in, in the company, and I, I'm not going to say the name, but in the company we're in, we use before and after pictures a lot. Um, it's easier for them to go to a Dropbox uh, address and look at, you know, several hundred before and after pictures than it is for me to text over eight or ten. Not that I don't do it. I do text. I text a lot. But still, I've got that Dropbox so they can do this. And um, Bitly. I love Bitly. You know, because that way I can measure the effectiveness of something I've said or done as to how many people would click on the link. And uh, then I like um, I like uh, WordPress. I can throw a WordPress blog up in a matter of a few minutes. And I'm doing that. As a matter of fact, Leslie and I launched ourselves again for what we'd already done in the company over the last three years. We just launched ourselves again last month. And the way that I started doing it is, is to um, launch a WordPress blog, and I'm concentrating in the Houston area because, and that's another thing that, that I would give a, t a tip to people about, 
you know, uh, acres of diamonds in your own backyard and work in your backyard, work in where you are, because they will take you out into the marketplace and other places. And you don't have to spend so much money driving, flying, traveling and all that stuff. Let your business carry you there. Great advice. Uh, do you have any, especially, I see a lot of new distributors. It's like, it's really the acres of diamonds. They think, you know, they don't realize the diamonds are right in the backyard. They always think the grass is greening on the other side. They start thinking about expanding to cities or other countries be, before they even talk to everyone in the whole market. So thank you for sharing and emphasizing that point. Uh, Ron, as we wrap up, do you have any, uh, do you have a book that you could uh, recommend to ML Nation? Well, I'm an avid reader. Uh, I'm a serious, voracious reader. I've got uh, 12,000 volumes in my library. Wow. I've read them all. Um, And the go-to book that I have now that replaced Think and Grow Rich is Jeff Olson's The Slight Edge. Uh, That book is amazing. Now, we've all worked under Jeff Olson's philosophies for almost two decades. He wrote the book about uh, eight or nine years ago, put it on paper, what he'd already been teaching. And... Simon, there's not a better book out there for anybody to change their life with. And I'm not, I'm not talking about in this business. That's not what, I'm, not what I'm talking about. That book wasn't written for this business. It was written for your life. And it puts it very succinctly what you need to do on a day-by-day basis to make a difference in your life. You see, in Jeff's philosophy is that if, uh, if, you, if you don't do something today, do you fail at the overall goal you're re- reaching for? No, of course you don't. And if you do do something today, do you succeed at reaching your overall goal? No, of course you don't. But every day over a long period of time, those simple slight edge decisions made will yield you success or failure. And it's just such a common sense book. You know, he never, when he wrote it, he only uh, uh, commissioned 200 copies. And he gave those copies out to us and a few other people as friends. He's never... He's never advertised the book or anything like that. And it's a New York Times bestseller. People buy it. I mean, uh, well, at one time, uh, IBM bought 20,000 copies of it to give away to their people. Well, I didn't know that he only came off 200 because I've interviewed a lot of top leaders. And a lot of them have also talked about The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. It's just, it just makes sense. Yeah. And ML Nation, I know you love audio because you're listening to this podcast. So if you haven't already, you can get an amazing free audiobook like The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson for free at MLMNationBook.com. That's MLMNationBook.com. So, Ron, here's the last question. Before we go to the million-dollar question, if you're an ambitious distributor who's ready to take your business to the next level, go become an MLM Nation Insider. Just go to MLMNationInsider.com and you can join a select group of distributors who meet every week to discuss what's working in the MLM profession. As an insider, you also get a weekly live MLM training that you can participate on a webinar or through the phone. Online access to an entire archive training library. A mission into a private Facebook group where you can network with other motivated and successful distributors from all around the world. The opportunity to ask questions to one of the top MOM trainers. And you also receive a monthly newsletter with the latest tips and online marketing strategies mailed directly to your door. Interested? Simply go to MLMNationInsider.com to learn more. Now let's get back to the show and to the million-dollar question. 
imagine you were forced to start all over again and you knew no one, but you had all your current knowledge, skills, and wisdom. What's the first thing, especially since you're an introvert, right? What's the first thing you would do to find prospects and build a business from scratch? Stand in front of the mirror and say, I can do it, for one thing, <laughs> to get over my, my introvert, introversion. Um, no, Simon, I take a lead from, um, from Aristotle of Nassus, um, the Greek billionaire shipping magnate that married Jackie Kennedy after, after Jack Kennedy. And he once said, he was asked the same question you just now asked me, if you had to start over, what would you do? He said, I would get a job in the most expensive restaurant in town as a waiter because I'm going to be exposed to the people that are shakers and movers, and I'm going to hear things that are shakers and movers. And what I would do is I would grab my iPhone, which is my number one tool. I would grab a stack of magazines, and I would head to the high-end facilities, like the high-end clothing stores, where you've got to spend three, four, five thousand dollars for a for a suit. Go to the Maserati dealership and the the Mercedes dealership, and you know all these high-end places, and expose myself to those people and strike up conversations. Uh, I've done it, and it works. So, as a matter of fact, whenever we started working three years ago, I'd been retired six years. I had to start all over because all the peers, all my peers were master distributors or owned their own companies or retired, weren't going to come back to work. I, did, I was not going to let this get by me. And so Leslie and I did just exactly what a brand new person has to do. We went out in the marketplace, started meeting people. This is exactly what they did. That's exactly what I would do. Fantastic. Not, not sit on my couch. And not rearrange my books, but get out. What you mentioned earlier yourself. As we wrap up, Ron, do you have any last words or advice? And then what's the best way our listeners can connect with you? Well, um, there's actually a, a couple of ways they can connect with me. They can send me an email at houstonbizop at gmail.com. And it's uh, Houston uh, and B-I-Z-O-P-P at gmail.com. Or they can even call me on my phone. I don't mind giving my phone out. I answer my phone. Um, it's 281-806-0395. And if you want to, people can go to, to uh, one of my blogs, coachronforrester.me. And you can find that real easily by going to bit.ly, B-I-T-L-Y, slash will change your life. I've got a 12 and a half minute on there that will change your life, Simon. I promise. Thank and, you for sharing. Uh, and any last words or advice? Yeah, there really is. The, the world has changed so much over the past decade that the opportunities for what we've got here, what we've got in this marketing model, are amazing. They're huge. And in my opinion, the, if we all come together and we work in this uh, ethically, among, among ourselves, ethically, that we can really change the world because here is the, where it's going to start. Here's where the relationships are going to start, where people are going to start having the win-win, having the servant leadership, having to care about their fellow man. It's this place. And so I would urge everybody out there that, that hasn't done anything in this, in, this, uh, in this marketing model but have thought about it, go ahead and take the step. Do it because you can't do anything but improve yourself. 
MLM Nation, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And today you've been hanging out and getting nuggets of wisdom, tons of great tips from Ron Forrester. So keep up the momentum and go to MLMNation.net and type in Ron at the search bar. The show notes will pop right up. All the links, the books, the quotes that Ron talked about will be right there. Ron, thank you for sharing your journey with MLM Nation today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And I really appreciate the way that you represent this, this marketing model and the people in it. You've got that servant attitude yourself and you've got the heart of a winner. In order to be successful in MLM, you must help others. So Ron, thank you again for setting such a great example. We're grateful to you and we appreciate you for having a positive impact on millions of distributors worldwide. Thank you. Thanks for joining MLM Nation today. While I had so much fun doing that interview with Ron Forrester, you can definitely tell his like almost three decades, I think more than three decades of MLM experience. And one of the things I want you to pay attention to is, and which made the show so fun for me to do, was he is such an awesome storyteller. And I always share with MLM Nation, if you want to be a good leader, good motivator, and also good at prospecting, it's all about telling stories. You know, when Ron shared that story about him in the ladies' room, you know, you felt you were right there, right? I felt I was right there with him. And also the story about him growing up and um, even the story about Winston Churchill, he shared that. It was such an awesome. And it's about sharing the details. So, ton, you know, ton of great nuggets out there. Thank you, Ron. And if you enjoyed that training, please let Ron know about it. Go to the mlnation.net, search for Ron, and the show notes will pop right up. Just scroll down to the bottom, and Ron's info will be there, and you can contact him. And I know from personal experience, if you contact him, he will definitely get back to you. Also, be sure to subscribe to the ML Nation on iTunes, because that's the best way to keep these trainings coming to your phone automatically. They get downloaded to you while you sleep. And... If you also like the show, share with others, share with your downline, upline, crossline, share with your friends. You, you can even share to your prospects. Let them know how legit network marketing is. Even MLM Nation, we're one of the top business podcasts right now. That just share, just lets people know how popular and what a big trend network marketing is. So share it on social media. Let people know about MLM Nation. And the last thing is, please leave an honest review for MLM Nation on iTunes. It's really important. Ratings and reviews are extremely important. Uh, you don't necessarily need to give the five star, even though I hope you do, but the most important thing is let it be honest. Let me know what you liked or don't liked about the show because because I read every one of them and they help the show get better and uh, motivates me to keep going with these great, contacting these great leaders and getting, getting them to share. So that's our show for today. Thanks again for being part of ML Nation and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining us today on MLM Nation. Head over to MLMNation.net for full recaps of every show, our training articles, and helpful resources. Your MLM success is waiting for you. 